All right, Rob, here we are. Movies of the decade. We're ready to give you this month's installment. The year is 1982. That's where we're going this this month. Working our way through 1980s. Um, so, you know, looking at our little list of movies, um, there, there are some really some really good movies on here and we say like we're not going to do like the big blockbusters and and i I think there's um i think there's i I mean i don't know if i think there's a couple on here that maybe teeter or kind of borderline that but they're not in the sense of like a star wars or indiana jones or you know what i mean like like that kind of thing so we're gonna we're gonna roll with them and uh, i'm gonna start off with one uh, a movie that (laughs) Should I say it was an HB only? Um, absolutely love this movie, and to this day, I've watched. I actually watched it twice, once uh, with my son, my youngest son, a few weeks ago, and I was like, I have to, you know, pick this movie, and then I watched it again last week. Kind of not super paying attention to it, but um, it is uh, Sylvester Stallone's Rambo: First Blood. Loved this movie. I think, um, you know, I don't think I've seen all the, I think I've seen Rambo one, two, and three, maybe, but this is, I think by far the best Rambo movie, the most, I don't want to say realistic because it gets kind of crazy and nutty, but as a kid, man, I mean, this movie, I watched it all the time when it was on. I love this movie And, and it's got some really good actors in here. Um, like, I love Brian Dennehy. Uh, I laugh at this movie because David Crusoe is in it, and he's a cop, right? He's he's a cop in, uh, I forget the show that he was known for. Uh, was it CSI or something like that? I think so. Where he's kind of like the kind of the badass kind of detective, right? But in this movie, <laughs> he's the opposite, right? He He's definitely working up the ranks in this movie. But of of all the policemen that are giving him a hard time, he is the probably the most um, level-headed of them, the one that's kind of trying to be like, look, you know, you know, when they're getting kind of rough with him and everything. So, um, but I'm sure, I'm sure everybody's familiar with Rambo, Um you know, they have the story of John Rambo coming in through a town. I believe it's up in Oregon, right? It's the Northwest up there. And he's, uh, he's look, he's a Vietnam vet looking to, to meet up with, with some old, uh, war buddies, I guess. And I think he's, he's trying to, he goes to the house of what I believe to him is, is the last survivor, including himself. But he finds out that he's not alive and, uh, you know, he, Agent Orange got the got the best of him, and, and he got cancer and, and passed away. So, um, you know, he wants to kind of go through. I forget where he's where he's where he's going to, but he runs into a town, and they are just they're just not having it. You can go ahead. I gotta get a drink here. Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's it's um. Well, it's one of those movies that um. Uh, I mean, just stuff just escalates, you know, um, and, and, uh, like we've seen this, I mean, in real life, you know what I mean? Like when stuff gets out of control, like you say something, somebody else says something to you, then you do something, then they do something, you know? And and of course Rambo is, is not, um, instigator in this, but they are just, 
like the the sheriff is like, yeah, you know, he he's like, don't walk through my or you know, keep walking, don't stop for a cup of coffee, don't do this, you know. And he's like, well, free country, and and it, it's it's really kind of a a, a weird flex because. I mean, he is a, a veteran, you know, and of course we grew up in a different era. We grew up in this era where like, um, you know, my kids would come home and they're like, do we know any veterans? And I'm like, uh, my dad, um, my mom's husband. Uh, yeah, we know some veterans. They're like, oh, cause we're doing a veterans day thing and we all have to invite veterans and we all have to stand up in front of the school and they all have to stand. You know what I mean? So it's like kind of a different uh uh era that we grew up in right in this one you know it's hard to remember how uh the vietnam veterans were treated in some cases or whatever so but yeah it's just the situation that uh keeps expanding and boy uh i mean is there any other movie is there any other situation where you could say uh more definitely that you picked on the wrong guy <laughs> like like this is not the guy um to mess with you know what i mean and then he's like hey man just leave me alone and then rambo does the ultimate thing he gets you know, he goes into the woods and, and all these sheriffs are chasing him and he sets up traps and he could have killed every one of the sheriffs but he doesn't kill them he just maims them or traps them or whatever and then the guy comes in and he's like and rambo's like uh, I could have killed him, but didn't. So let's call a truce here. Let's walk away. And then, of course, then the one guy uh, ends up getting killed. Uh, the one sheriff, I think, what, does he fall out of the helicopter, the sniper guy or something? Yeah, yeah, when he throws a rock at it or something in the helicopter. Yeah. But, he, I mean, he's yeah. looking to kill him. He wants to kill him because they had gotten into a scuffle in the in the jail. And, and he was one of those, uh, he was like one of those cops that, you know, had a chip on his shoulder anyways right he and he wanted to uh yeah he wasn't uh he wasn't liking it yeah yeah so um but but so then it escalates even further you know and um and, and we'll talk in a second about the the ending is a little is a little cuckoo um and the ending is not uh the same as the book um i believe i'm gonna go out on a limb here it's been a long time i read uh, the book when i was really young but i believe in the book after they had you know rambo has the big meltdown you know um at the end of the movie and and what is it the colonel and he's like oh you know blah 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 oh when he's never when he's inside the the station and he's talking <laughs> yeah. to uh colonel troutman he yeah when he kind of has like, his breakdown yeah i get i know what yeah you're talking about. yeah he's like you know you're not meant for this world you know, you're not, you're not meant like you, we made you a killer. You're a killer machine. You're not going to, you're not going to integrate back into society. And I believe I'm 99% positive at the end of the book, Rambo kills himself. So it turns out there was not going to be a Rambo too, <laughs> but, um, you know, when you got a movie that, that does that, well, first of all, they, they didn't want to end the movie that way, but. Um, who would have thought that this movie would take off and, and just be this huge thing? Um, you know, it's funny every time I go back and why this is something that I never knew as a kid, I forgot that Rambo was his last name because a kid, I thought his first name was Rambo. Like, Hey Rambo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Same. I why. Yeah. The same. Um, so you were talking about the Rambo sequels and, um, 
I think when people think of the image of Rambo, they think of the image of the the later movies, you know, like him holding a the rocket grenade launcher or the machine gun that has 50 bazillion trillion bullets and and whatever. And that kind of, you know, it almost became kind of a parody yeah. of what it was. But this movie, like if you just take this movie away from the whole series, I mean just this movie itself, god, this movie is good. This movie is so good. Um, yeah, it, it that's, and you're. I just want to say, like, yeah, as yeah. far as like the whole, uh, you know, group of the movies, absolutely. This is like could just end right here, standalone. You don't need to bring them back to go. I mean, obviously because of money and it was a success, and you got Stallone in it, they're going to do that. But like, I even told my son because he, he's like, well, how many? I go, there's like a bunch. I think there's like three, maybe even four. I think they made a new one a few years back or something. I'm like, but we are only watching this one because, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, as a kid, and I was younger probably than my son is now, but I mean, I, I liked them all when I was a kid, but I, I would not even bother going back and watching them because I know how over the top they got. And even the ending of this was a little over the top, right? Um, when he comes back into town, but but the rest of it, it it was it was just such a good movie and, and and the actors in it and I even I mean not to say that I'm not a Stallone fan but I'm not a huge Stallone fan like he can be a little you know with with the way he acts but in this he doesn't do a lot of talking until his big monologue at the end and there's back and forth but yeah um, I I have uh, a read that um i mean like i said the book is really slow the book is really drawn out you know and it's really um i mean a lot about him hiding and him you know all that stuff and that the original cut of rambo was like that it was like i think it was like three hours long what they originally put together for a movie and um when they went you know to like for their test stuff or whatever uh and people hated it. It was terrible. I think Sylvester Stallone, uh, he's he said in interviews, he tried to buy it. He was going to destroy it. <laughs> it was so bad. And they went in and they were like, we could fix this with editing. And they cut it down. They could basically cut out half the movie. So it was three hours. They cut it to an hour and a half. And I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what it was like before, but now it's just such a perfect, like, I mean, I, I, people say this, the pacing uh, is saying, great. Yes. It's like, this is like a film study. Like, like you're never bored. You're never, you know, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. The timing is so good on this. You so. know what, you know, what's funny is, um, when I was going to, when I thought about rewatching it, I hadn't seen it in a long time and I knew I liked it. Like I knew I, I knew I knew I liked it in the woods scenes and everything, but I hadn't seen it so long. I was kind of worried about that. I was like, oh, but it's going to be slow. I, for, I forgot how f great the pacing in this movie is. I mean, and the slower parts in the beginning are so crucial to the story. Right. Him coming into the town. Then when he talks to the, you know, the, the widow and then he goes back into town. Um, the, I, yeah, the, the, the pacing was I thought was great. Mm -hmm. Now. You said that you liked Rambo. Did you like Rambo enough to own a I got Rambo three of them. style hunting knife? <laughs> I've got three of them. Yes. Uh, one acquired later in life. 
and one acquired i don't know how soon after this but yeah my mom was pretty lenient about that kind of stuff so yeah i had one my brother had one so really technically i I, i've had two of my own but i've i've you know i've got my brother doesn't want any of that stuff so i got his and yeah uh, i had to uh they're they're actually like i don't i kind of keep them away but i got them out my son's 15 i'm like look man (laughs) like that knife yeah i'm like check these out He's like, yeah, he's I, like, whoa, dad, be careful. <laughs> See, I don't let my I mean, kids play with knives. So. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, I would think most uh, people would, would know, but, um, uh, you know, in the, in the, uh, the knife, first of all, there's a big compass in the handle and the handle is, was hollow. So there was stuff in there like matches and I don't know what else, what else went in fishing there. Hooks. But, um, yeah, fi- yeah. Yeah, fishing hooks. Yeah. Yeah. Fishing hooks. So you have matches, you have fishing hooks. Uh, you have a needle uh, because you have to sew yourself like Rambo does in the woods right. when he falls so through the up. pine tree. Um, and then, like, so you have the handle and then you have, like, a, kind of like a, yeah, so you have a compass. It's kind of like a ball on the end, sort of. Well, that unscrews so you can get in there. But also when you unscrew it on the threading are two almost look similar to, like, a key ring. And there's a wire in there that folds up and then you can slip it on yeah. there and you use your fingers to like cut it. You know, you're not cutting a tree down or anything, but you know, um, and I, I want to say there was something else in there, but I can't remember, but I was showing my son and yeah, sure enough, I dropped fish hooks in the rug. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I'm searching going, Oh crap. My eyes aren't as good at uh, 48 years old, but I, I luckily found all those fish hooks. Like, dude, when I would go camping, like, cause I would go camping a lot as a kid, um, especially after my parents divorced my dad, that was kind of, you know, he didn't have a lot of money. He's divorced, paying all that alimony and child support, but he would rent a cabin every, every year in this place called Allegheny state park here in New York. And so we would go and, um, I always had, I had a, I have a camouflage version and then just a black sheath and I would have the camouflage oh, and I yeah. would, I'd put it on my belt and they had the, the strings that tied around your leg at the bottom tied around your leg. Right. Hold it down. And I would walk around the, the woods and campsite with that. And my Crossman 760 pump master BB Pelican. I was ready, it's, dude. I, yeah. I was, I mean, <clears throat> Sheriff, uh, was it Sheriff Tupper or whatever his name was? Yeah. Uh, I was ready. I was ready. Yeah. I, um, I, the only other thing I would say about it, and, and it's not really about the movie, but now, like, I remember uh, the, the second movie everybody would say was Rambo First Blood Part 2. Mm-hmm. And I was like, was the first movie, you know, and then I, I forget, like, was the first movie, it seems like at times they called it first blood and then it was rambo and then it was rambo first blood or I, I i don't know like it's like they changed the names to get all the movies to line up or something you know but i never remember people calling the first movie first blood and it was just rambo yeah it was just know? rambo to me yeah but so. i but i yeah i it was the second one when he goes they get him out of like fort bragg or wherever he's at and he has to go to vietnam to get the pow's I think that's the second one, and then the third one is like when he goes. It's got to be Russia, right? No, it was like the desert. Wasn't that the desert one where he was like all in the sand and? Was it? I don't know. They all, you know, the thing is about him is, um, like I said, it, it almost became like a cartoonish. Well, I'm, I just went to Rambo you know? Three, yeah, and one of the guys' name is Korov, so <laughs> I'm thinking that it was. Uh, it could be the Russian one then. 
invading, just, invading Soviet for, uh, forces in Afghanistan. So maybe, maybe I guess maybe uh, Afghanistan, but it had to do with oh, the uh, yeah. Russian yeah. Afghan war. Yeah, but but I I think this is what I would say. I like this would be my my parting shot. I would say, um, you know, if you've never watched these movies and you have this preconceived notion of what Rambo movies are, like you think, oh, it's a dude with a giant machine gun just mowing down a hundred people in a row and and doing all that, you should really do yourself a favor and watch the first movie because the first movie is uh, it, it's just a really really good film and uh, also. It's it's just out of view, but right over here, I have my Rambo lunchbox, which, um, as uh, lunchbox collectors know, Rambo was the last mass-produced metal lunchbox. Um, that's that's the cutoff. So after that is when everything switched over to the plastic, plastic ones. Uh, so and it's it's amazing that people thought the problem. Uh, was that kids, you know, obviously could could hit each other with metal lunchboxes. And the problem was not um, that uh, the kids were, you know, young children were carrying lunchboxes that had a guy with a machine gun on it. Like, that wasn't the problem. The problem, the problem was that it could be used as a weapon. But, yeah, you should definitely, um, uh, definitely go in and... and uh, uh, watch that for sure so before we uh before you introduce the uh, second movie i just shared my screen with you so obviously uh, folks can't see it but i had this was one of my ran i did have some rambo toys and it was uh it was the m60 so that he <laughs> now i can't remember I i'm gonna guess this is from rambo 2 i think so yeah yeah, yeah. you know but um yeah, but, Rambo two's the one like he would wrap the bullets around his his wrist and had the long you know, thing of bullets and stuff. Yeah, so um, yeah, I had that. Anyways, good, good uh, and something good for Santa to leave in the stocking for kids. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I did have a couple Bowie knives too, so. Imagine going to Santa like as a kid, like, what do you want, little boy? I want the knife, what like Rambo had to stab the people. I, I, okay, I, the compass I one. I want okay. the knife. Have you been? <laughs> <laughs> We're not to that year yet. We're oh, getting to that I'm year. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so that's enough of Sylvester Stallone. Why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce our second movie? Well, I say it's not enough Sylvester Stallone. Oh. But it might be enough Rambo, but Sylvester Stallone, uh, is there? I mean, there's got to be other years where uh, a major actor had two huge movies in the same year. But, uh, you know, audiences knew Sylvester Stallone as uh, already knew him as Rocky. We'd had Rocky one, which was a fantastic movie in his first breakthrough uh, appearance. And then we had Rocky two which was kind of a lot like Rocky one. <laughs> it was kind of not exactly the same movie, but it was a very similar movie. Um, I'm going to say uh, that when Rocky three came out in 1982, I don't think I had seen the other two Rocky movies. Now I knew who Rocky was. Everybody knew who Rocky was. Rocky was the boxer and he was Sylvester Stallone, you know, um, but Rocky three came out and God, was it 
everywhere. And and um not just Rocky, right? But first of all, you gotta have uh I mean for a song to really uh or not a song, but for a movie to permeate through pop culture. I mean, you gotta have a good movie. You gotta have a star that people know, like Sylvester Stallone. You gotta have a song that goes on to the airwaves that everybody knows. So all of a sudden, the entire summer, everybody has the eye of the tiger, Sean. Mm-hmm. And you gotta have a memorable bad guy. And a memorable bad guy is Clubber Lang, Mr. T. Um, what an amazing movie. I I, I am I do think that this is the first Rocky movie I ever saw from beginning to end. I don't think I saw the other ones before this, but it gets you up to speed in a hurry. Rocky is obviously the world champion. And by the way, when I say they get you up to speed, literally at the beginning of these movies, they show you like the last two or three minutes of the last movie. Right, yeah, so they're yeah. like, hey, if it's been a while, here's uh, what happened. Rocky's the champion. So Rocky's the champion and he's... um. He's getting a little um, fat and lazy. You know what I mean? He's not training so hard. Now it's about the autographs. Now it's about spending the millions of dollars he's made from from all this. He's getting uh, you know, a little little soft in the old breadbasket. But up and coming, Clubber Lang, he's hungry. And he wants the title. So he wants Balboa. Um, and uh, I'm, so, I mean, that becomes a movie is that they're going to fight and uh you know Mr. T I think as children we were taught uh even though Mr. T was kind of a scary looking dude that he was a good guy right like he teamed up with Nancy Reagan say no to drugs you know he oh, he had a song treat your mama right that was his big song that he wanted you know Mr. T he had the the cartoon Saturday morning cartoon there where he was a super, you know, he led the gang of kids and they solved crimes. Uh, there's Mr. T cereal. Mr. T is everywhere. And he's a good guy in this movie. Mr. T is not a good guy. No. He is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought you do not want to get in a ring with Mr. T. He will take your head off. He is, he is over the top in this movie. Now I know oh, you, I know you had mentioned this to me prior to recording and I, and I feel the same way that this is I don't want to say the best it's our favorite Rocky movie right um I had seen Rocky 2 on HBO and I I feel as though I had seen the end of Rocky there's no way that I could sit through the original Rocky I mean obviously not when it came out but on H- even on HBO like there's no way I could sit through Rocky as a kid it is so boring Right. <laughs> like my youngest that I watched Rambo with, uh, he had tried to watch Rocky himself because I guess some one of his buddies at school or something. And he was trying to watch it. And he's just like, yeah, I can't do this. So when I approached him for the our previous movie, Rambo, he was, and I told him it was in. He's like, oh, Dan, I'm like, trust me. It's not going to be like that. <laughs> it's not going to be like that. But, um, yeah, I love this movie as a kid. I remember seeing this in the movie theaters. I remember I had the album. um for this and i mean you got hulk hogan thunderlips in this yes yeah so <laughs> um, it's like a uh what was it like a celebrity kind of thing or whatever that they yeah. set up this match between a wrestler and a boxer, promotional deal 
Um, I love that. It's weird because he's he's kind of almost like a bad guy. Thunder lips. Yeah. And it, you know, it's funny is I'm watching it this week. Uh, I rewatching it. And um, I remember I, I, I forgot that he like became cool at the end <laughs> when it was all over when he's like, yeah, I mean, right. right. Um, but yeah, he was a total jerk. And I remember that in the theaters because, you know, you knew who who uh, Hulk Hogan was and um that scene was that was fun. I, I liked how Rocky was, you know, you know, he was the big star and everything, but he was real cool about it. Like, yeah, we just mess around, chase me, I'll chase you a little bit, huh? You know, he's <laughs> like, nope. Somebody forgot to tell this guy I was fake. Yeah. <laughs> Why are they carrying him? They ain't carrying him. Um, but uh, <laughs> but also, I think um, I think in this one, like Paulie's. Paulie's a jerk, right? Like, you yeah. know, uh, Adrian's brother, and you know, he, he feels as though he he take take took care of took care of uh, Adrian, and then he and then even with Rocky in the in the first movie and all, and he's feeling he's feeling neglected. He's feeling you know like he's looked at as worthless, like he's not appreciated, right? So he has his moment, mm-hmm. but he he quickly overcomes that. Uh, when he he gets thrown into jail or you know whatever overnight because he breaks the Rocky uh, pinball machine because he's he's feeling you know and like Rocky says you're just a bum you're a jealous bum mm-hmm. but uh, yeah Mr T in the fighting like I love this movie but uh, the 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 fight scene right or the 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 match the way he uh, Mr T first one or the second one both he just acts okay. so obnoxious and like. I don't know, man, like, um, like pushing like through like cops and this and that to get to him. But like, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess it's the same yeah. if you see something on TikTok, but. <laughs> and, you know, when um, uh, I grew up watching boxing, I was a huge boxing fan. Uh, when, when I got my first apartment, they, they used to have, uh, for those of you that don't remember, if you're not old enough, they used to have uh, Tuesday night fights that was on uh, USA, which show boxing every week. Boxing was, uh, it was kind of coming back. It made this resurgence. And so I was, I was into boxing, you know, um, long before, um, the MMA stuff w- was popular now. So now if you're familiar with MMA, boxing almost seems um kind of tame you know what i mean and and like real boxing when you watch real boxing because um the other thing is that a lot of people when they think of boxing they think of mike tyson who was a headhunter i mean mike tyson went in trying to knock people out you know but lots and lots and lots of boxing is not like that boxing was about scoring points you know what i mean like it's it's very strategic it's very offense defense what's he doing what can i do to counter you know and and you know and for the long like okay this is working for two rounds let's switch this up i mean they'd they'd have championship fights that would go for what like 15 rounds i mean it was so so it was really you have you have to imagine boxing being you know kind and not i don't want to say that it wasn't violent but it's almost like a gentleman's kind of fighting Right. So to see, like, when you go back and watch Rocky three and when you watch Clubber Lang, I think he would get disqualified for every punch. 
for every single like there's one scene where he's i mean like they will stop a boxing match for anything like a guy goes oh and they go whoa whoa whoa, let's give him an eight count you know they will stop a real fight and give a fighter an eight count or if he goes down on a knee they will stop and count you know there's one scene of that fight where clubber lang is beating up rocky and he like starts to fall and he throws it back up against the ropes and so he can keep punching him and i'm like yeah i think real boxing is not quite like that. i mean it's very fun and it's very entertaining but it's not very realistic uh you know uh and and i'm sure not not designed to be you know but um yeah, I, the, the boxing is a little over the top, but God, is it! It's a good action movie. And and other thing I love about this movie is, in real life, things are not really cut and dried, right? I mean, if you're you're up and coming, like if you're an MMA fighter, you've got all these people you train with. You've got, you know all your people on social media, you've got your posse, you've got hunt, like lots and lots and lots of people around you. Right. But what Rocky three does is it like takes all those kind of things and it just kind of like makes a single character that represents that. Right. Like he got Polly is like a one guy who, um, you know, was with you from the beginning, but now he doesn't feel like he's getting an attention or whatever. But it's like all those people are just kind of like that one guy. You got the wife, which is the one person who is like, Rocky, we got enough money. Get out of this game. Quit fighting, you know. And then, of course, you got the coach, um, who we didn't mention, but uh, Burgess Meredith, who, I mean, kids our age, like I knew Burgess Meredith from uh, – uh, Batman. I was like, oh, he's the penguin. And now the penguin's the coach. That's <laughs> kind of weird. Like, hey, Rocky. Wah, wah, wah. I, I didn't make that connection. And I, I don't think at that age, but I definitely Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. Yes. And yes. now, uh, oh. Grumpy Old Man. I love him in Grumpy Old Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a classic. So let song. me ask you about this. So there's this. So when, um, so when when uh, Clover Lane basically calls out Rocky at the at the uh, unveiling of the Rocky statue, which is in Philly. Um, hey, boy! <laughs> I've never seen the statue, uh, but when we would go to Ocean City, New Jersey, for the week, uh, our friends uh, like one day during the week we kind of split up and we go in, we go inland and see some of my wife's family. And they one day they they usually take day trips, so they went up to Philly because they're huge Rocky fans and they you know, took their pictures on the stairs. But at the unveiling, that's when Clover Lane kind of calls him out. And Mick is like, no, man, we're not doing this. We're done, whatever. So then they go back to the house, and Mick basically tells him. And I was kind of like, I don't think I caught this as a kid, obviously, but as a dog, I'm going, wait a minute. Is Rocky's reign as a champ just a hoax? Because basically it's like he they were feeding him kind of people that weren't top notch. Right. So that he could continue mm. to, to, to hold rain. So as I'm watching, I'm going, well, if clubber clubber, I mean, I get it. The movie that you got to bring out that eye of the tiger, like, um, you know, Apollo Creed says, but <laughs> you keep talking. I'm just doing your back. Yeah, I just, part. I just was like, wow. I, I didn't like that part. Like I, that just made me go, wow, man. Like, Rocky wasn't well, as good as they're making him out to be. I mean, I think he, I think the thing is, I mean, what they're showing is is like he was like Clubber Lang in the early days, right? Like he was hungry. He worked his way up and he did all that. And then but he got he like got Apollo. To the top, 
where he was yeah. flashy and had all the you know mm-hmm. doing the commercial all that kind of stuff, which is what Apollo was doing in in the first movie, right? He was all flashy and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, he he becomes you know that guy, and then that's a. I mean, I'm sure that's a popular, not popular, but a common thing that happens with these athletes and stuff. You know, I mean, once you get to the top, it's like. You know, I, you know what I think of, what this makes me think of, honestly, um, and it, you can compare it to a million athletes, but it makes me think of Ronda Rousey and, and, um, who's the other God, who was the guy that had the, um, big tattoo of the, of the knife on his oh, chest. Oh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Brock Lesnar. That's who I'm trying to think of. Um, but it's like these people who like Brock Lesnar, man, that dude was an animal. You know what I mean? Like he was getting like he was just crazy. And then you just see him where he's like, eh, I made I made this money. Of course, he had the heart condition or something, but he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go over to wrestling. And you think, well, not that wrestling's not a sport, but wrestling is not as physically uh dangerous as as MMA, you know. Um and the same thing with Ronda Rousey, where it's like like it was just like she was unstoppable, right? Like she was moving through the ranks, going up, going up. And by the way, this is all going to be part of mine and Sean's uh, spinoff MMA yeah. podcast that we'll be <laughs> we'll be doing at some point. But Ronda Rousey was just like fighting through the ranks, going up, going. She's unstoppable. Like every single person they put in, they would just, you know, they would be like, "Well, how long, you know, until they submit, or how long until she knocks her out, or what?" You know, it was like you just knew that she was going to win, and then all of a sudden. She didn't win, and then she didn't win again, and then she was like, and I'm going over to wrestling, and I'm going to do this other thing, and I'm going to be a model, and I'm going to, you know, what? and and so she kind of went off of the thing, but you just have to think, like, at some point, like, all that training, all that stuff, you get to the top, but you just can't stay at the top, and so, yeah, in Rocky Three, we do kind of get that that. Um, you know, hints that, well, he stayed at the top because they were feeding him guys that probably weren't, you know, they definitely weren't Clubber Lang. Right, right. But, I mean, Clubber Lang was, well, I know. Uh, we're sitting here, I'm going to argue him. <laughs> <laughs> the outcome of a movie when it's just a silly movie. Um, I got one last thing on this. I yeah. recognized this as a kid. And watching it again, I anticipated. I was like, "Oh yeah, I know this is coming," and it pissed me off. Was when when Clubber Lane's like, you know, "Hey woman, I, I, you want to need a real man? Call me, call me, come on." And I was just like, "You're an ass, dude. Like that's that, like that's a yeah. low blow. That's below the belt. Can't yeah. be doing that. Go I knew that as the, a kid. That, life you know. or the family. They're, they're off limits. You shouldn't be doing that. But." Um, you know, of all the things, I mean, there's so many great scenes in this movie. I mean, the Thunderlips part is great. The Clubber Lane fight. Both the fights are great. Super. But I, I think deep down, Sylvester Stallone always wants to do that thing where he's like, he wants you to know he's an actor. And the scene where Mickey is oh. dying. <laughs> it's his, It's yeah, it's his Rambo. <laughs> it is. It's the exact same thing. And I remember as a kid going, what's that guy saying? What, what, what is it? He's like, and I'm like, what, what, dude? What's going on here? Can I go back to Rambo when I was watching it with Gabriel, <laughs> and that's that whole part with with Colonel Troutman when he's, um, my son yeah. is gone. 
I don't know what he's saying. I'm like, it's too bad because it's real touching. The whole story about his buddy, and they're at a bar, and a kid comes in and wants subtitles. to do a shoe shine. I'm like telling him the whole thing after, and I'm not getting the reaction the same because I'm going, man, this is this fucking hurts. Oops, that hurts, man. This hurts. You know, he wants to go home and drive his car, and I can't find his legs. We can't go back. And I'm just like, whoa, man, this is emotional. My son's going, what do he say? So yes, the same exact thing. <laughs> yeah, so, that's that uh, that pretty. I'm saying, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you're if you're saying what is the best Rocky movie, like if you're like I'm a an Academy guy for the Academy Awards, what's the best Rocky movie? It's obviously Rocky One. If you ask me what my favorite Rocky movie is, is it though it's Rocky Three? Is it? Uh, I mean, I know people will be like. Yeah. <sighs> Like they'll be writing in like the Rocky, but I mean it ain't the one with the Russian. <laughs> are you telling? You. Are you telling me you did not? I mean, come on, man! It was the like Cold War stuff. Like we were like Russia, yeah, no way, uh, yeah. But then they got James Brown in there, and uh, like yeah, James that movie, Brown man, the movie's got problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let me. Here, here, let me ask you this. We'll we'll end on this. Okay. If you could only recommend somebody watch one Rocky movie, what one do you recommend? I, I would say this one. You too. You yeah, too. I'd say this one. Cause it, and it's still, it's nice too, because it still has that, like, you know, 82, you're still at that, that seventies kind of style still bleeding yeah. in, you know, that, yeah. that, that change or whatever. So, um, yep. and you get like that in the early nineties. We're like, is this, a, was this nineties or eight? Oh, it's 89. Oh, well, okay. Looks the same. So, all right, that's, I, I think that, I think it's safe to say that's the last of our Stallones for 1982, right? Or are you going to pull, <laughs> you pull so. one out that I don't know about? I, no, I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay, so um, on our first episode, when we did 1980, there was a movie that you had brought called Super Fuzz, which I was like, Super Fuzz? What is this movie? I've never heard of this movie. I don't know what this movie is. And then I started watching it go, Oh, yeah, I remember this movie. It was an HBO only movie, and I remembered everything that was happening to where I started going, okay, and this is going to happen. And so this year, 1982, you threw another one at me, and it is called The Pirate Movie. And I said, oh, is that the one with the pirate with the red beard, and he's got, like, things burning in his beard? And you're like, nope, that's not it. It's got Christy McNichol and the guy from Blue Lagoon, and I was like, I've never seen it. You know, um, there's a lot to say about the pirate movie, and then so little yet to say about the pirate movie. Um, this is um, not not just for me. Um, a, and by the way, I've trademarked that, so you owe me every time you say HB only. Um, you owe <laughs> me like twenty five cents. All That's right. my new trademark. Okay. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at HB only. That'd be a great. Name. I feel like we could start um, a Instagram or something. Yeah. HB only and just feature these movies, but I want to read you the first, uh, line of trivia on IMDB about the pirate movie. First trivia line says, or entry on the trivia section says the film started gaining a cult status in the late 1980s, largely due to repeat screenings on HBO. Mm. <laughs> That's the first line. So uh, I don't know that anybody saw this in the theater. I'm sure some people did. Uh, 
I was not aware of the Pirates of Penzance, the musical. I think it's a Gilbert and Sullivan musical from, um, gosh, like 50s or 60s. Never heard of it. Never saw it. All I knew was the pirate movie from HBO, uh, which somehow was uh, played so many times. Uh, I've talked before that we had a VCR very early on. This was one of the movies that was recorded. We recorded off of HBO. So when there was nothing else on, we would watch this movie as well. And what was funny is there were movies that uh, were just my movies. You know, like Star Wars was just a me movie that my sister didn't like. Um, There were movies that she liked that I didn't care for. But Pirate Movie was one we both liked. So if we couldn't decide what to watch, it was the Pirate Movie. So, um, you know... Oh, we've watched it so many times. Um, I mean, I, here's the 30-second the summary is that um, uh, Christopher Adkins is a pirate. Uh, he's a very, he's a young and very good-looking pirate named Frederick. He's on a ship with a bunch of other pirates, and uh, he basically says that uh, he doesn't want to be a pirate anymore. So he jumps off the boat, and he... he um, goes to the nearest shore and where the shore is are all these beautiful women. And, uh, it's a bunch of sisters and I, I forgot how many of the sisters there are, but, uh, um, uh, but essentially he runs into Christy McNichol, who is the youngest daughter of all the sisters and, uh, they fall in love. They want to get married, but there's a tradition, uh, that, that, uh, the girls have to get married in the order of age and Christy McNichols is the youngest. So they're, they're never going to be able to, uh, get married. So a bunch of silliness happens. The pirates come on shore. Uh, there's a, there's some treasure that, that, uh, uh, Frederick says, if he can retrieve the treasure that maybe he can win over, uh, the, the father's approval who happens to be a modern major general. Hmm. Uh, and so, um, you know, it, it's a, so the thing is what this movie is, is it is a parody of the pirates of Penzance, but it's only like a half a parody because some of the songs in this movie are from the musical. Like we are the pirates. That song is from the stage musical, you know, but then, you know, some of the songs, the uh, like, there's a, a romantic songs. There's some some funny songs or whatever. Those are um, obviously were made for the movie. So, um, you know, in the musical, there's a a huge sword fight between um, Frederick and the pirate king. You know, in the movie, there's that same sword fight, but at one point, their swords turn into lightsabers, <laughs> and it's a little Star Wars parody. And he says, "Did I teach you that?" And he says, "No, I saw it in a movie once." So, um. There's a lot of jokes, um, but this is what I would say about this movie. And I'm going to, I'm going to brace myself for what you're about to say about the movie, but this is what I'll say. I think there are certain movies. There are certain things that if you don't have a nostalgic attachment to them that you might not love. (laughs) And so if you grew up watching the pirate movie, uh, then and, and if you've seen it a hundred times and you know every song by heart, um, then it's uh, a good movie. I mean, well, it's not, it's never a good movie, but it's <laughs> a, a comfortable, funny um, movie. If you're just watching it now, I got a feeling that you might not love it as much as I do. Take it away, Sean. 
So I said, I do not know of this movie. I've never seen this movie. And you said, oh, okay, well, I'm going to watch it. And I watched it at work on my lunch break for two days. And I remember Vox and you going, I hate you for making me watch this movie. (laughs) Now, I had never seen it. I had never heard of it. Or so I thought. I actually had seen it. Just like Super Fuzz or whatever that movie was called. I actually have seen this movie when I was younger on HBO. Um, I just... And I think I probably saw it in parts all I've seen the entire movie before. And I just can't find even as a kid. I can't see. Well, it's a pretty sexual movie, so I guess it could keep your interest. It is so sexual, <sighs> this movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow. I mean, it just <laughs> innuendo after innuendo, yeah. um, you know, all these these. Um, I mean, one of the songs like. They they go uh, Christopher Atkins uh, Frederick he goes underwater uh, to find um, the treasure and they've got one of those what's it called a bell yeah yeah I Breathing think so yeah bell or something but where they have to pump air in you know which it's silly because uh, I mean it looks like a set <laughs> it's a very silly uh, looking thing uh, but they're doing this song called pumping and blowing. <laughs> Um, which is about the air being pumped down in and he's blowing. And let me just say, Rob (laughs) sang pumping and blowing to me before I'd even got to that scene. And I was like, what is he trying to, (laughs) what's he trying to tell me, man? Rob knows this entire soundtrack. I have the soundtrack. Um, uh, I'm probably, I don't know if I have it on my phone, but I have access to it. We could definitely, um uh do I mean I could do the whole movie but uh, yeah we're not going to do that and now I now I will um so well um, let me just so let me just say I yeah. so I watched it two days right I was not mm-hmm. going to take this to a third day because my breaks are only so long I was like this there's absolutely no way I'm going to take this for another day so I went into VLC on my phone. And I was like looking at settings. I go, oh, there we go. Playback speed. Put that onto like, I think I started at like 1.25, which actually worked well for the movie because of the way it's such a comedy. It almost made him walk and talk a little bit fast. Not not really that bad, but slightly to where it almost looked like it fit a scene, like the battle scene. Yeah, but it ruined the songs. All right. I'm not even going to lie. There's a couple songs where I just skipped right through. I skipped through them. We're going to skip through them. Hold on. I had to tell Sean, he might might think that I'm playing samples of Christy McNichol, but that's actually me. You know what? I was going to ask you. You know, I think sometimes like actors, they want to be singers, right? And they might even try to pursue it after some sort of uh, movie or something. I wonder if she ever did because um, she really did not sound bad. Like she sounded like she could have, excuse me, she could have, had some sort of you know i'm not saying a big music career but i could see like oh yeah she put this album out a year later no uh she had a um her and her brother did an album uh and i don't think it was uh i think it was um i gotta look up her brother yeah jimmy mcnichol uh so there's a christy and jimmy mcnichol it was an album uh, they did an album. Um, you know, she's um she's a good singer. 
Um, uh, there's a, some trivia that um, Christopher Atkins was not a good singer, and um, he sang a lot of the songs in the movie, and then um, they went and they overdubbed all his songs, so it's not really him singing <laughs> throughout the movie. And uh, I don't think he knew that he was going to, they were going to do that. He he seemed like he was surprised to find that out. Although he did admit, he was like, I am not a singer. I'm not a good singer. Um, uh, Christopher Atkins was not hired because he was a singer. He was hired because he had just been in the Blue Lagoon. Right. Uh, he was a heartthrob. Right. And and a lot of the, the outfits that he wears in this movie are exactly from the Blue Lagoon. Like when he goes swimming to the pirate ship when they go to get the... Uh, um, the uh, map that's tattooed on the back of the Pirate King's uh, back, uh, that that like the loincloth kind of like that's straight out of Blue Lagoon. It's the, it's the exact same thing. Uh, you're talking about some of the sexual innuendo. I remember watching this movie. I went to spend the night one time. My sister and I went to spend the night at my uncle's house, and we brought this tape because <laughs> we're gonna watch the pirate movie. And during that scene, my uncle goes, all right, turn it off. <laughs> and we were like, why? And I, I think the only, there's one scene where um, Christy McNichol towards the beginning is trying to fight, do a sword fight with the pirate king. And instead of doing a normal sword fight, she's just swinging the sword really low. Uh, and then the pirate king says, um, you see, she grows heavy. She cannot raise the blade to penetrate my heart. And she says, I'm not aiming for your heart. And then he kind of squeezes his crotch, you know, and it's like, a, it has a little thing, like a, I don't know what you call it, like a squeaky toy, like a uh -huh. peeky peeky, you know. Um, that was the only part of that movie I thought was dirty. <laughs> when I was nine or 10 years old, that was the only thing that I thought was a dirty joke. So when they were oh i'm sure there's it, you know, yeah there's so much as adults that we caught on to that oh, because just, they're so I mean, fast they're, and thrown at you yeah calling each other nympho and nymphet you know and uh um he he makes a reference to her goosebumps which yes. uh, i think were not probably the goosebumps i was thinking of as a child yep uh so yeah there's i mean there's some some comments in there um uh, but and so, of course, my uncle was like, turn it off. <laughs> he did not want to see it. But but us as kids, we had no idea why why he was um, didn't love it, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I You know, it's definitely one of those movies where, like I said, if you're a kid and you grew up watching it, it's a fun movie. If you didn't, I, I'm going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to gracefully admit something here. That it might be difficult to watch as a first time view 40 years later. I actually, so I think it's obvious the la the previous two movies, we didn't even say it, but yeah, we would say, yeah, well, if you haven't ever seen Rambo or Rocky three, watch them. I would actually say, watch this only for the, for oh. the reason that you're probably telling yourself, like, I don't think I've seen that movie, watch it. And I bet you, you'll be like, oh yeah, I did see that movie. Plus for the great, Great musical tunes, but watch it on. You v know what? I <laughs> watch it in VLC so you can speed up the uh, playback. This is the part that I thought you would really love of the movie is um, the movie is kind of set up as a um, a dream sequence because at the beginning Christy McNichol is not a beautiful daughter. She's a nerd um, named Mabel. Well, she's named Mabel in the dream yeah. sequence too. But but um, there's a, kind of this opening thing, but the opening thing like takes place on the boardwalk. 
and it's like early 1980s. So she's carrying around a boom box and then she goes to a, a super old school McDonald's and she's carrying out all this food and stuff. But so there's, there's definitely some eighties kind of stuff uh, in the first few minutes that uh, if nothing else, if you're a retro person, you'll enjoy that. part. Yeah. I, I forgot about it. It, it was all blurred oh, by the dream sequence. Oh no, no. And, and actually not. she kind of irritated me when she's going on the boat and she has that, big boom box and there's a guy playing like a keyboard or something. And I'm just like, that's kind of rude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, um, you know, it's kind of like the wizard of Oz is really what, what this is is because you're, you're seeing like the guy, it's a blind guy playing the keyboard, but he's the, one of the pirates Pirates. and, and yeah. And then the uh, guy selling ice cream is the major general, you know? And then I guess, I don't, Oh, I didn't even thought about it. I didn't make that connection. Yeah, where he's selling the ice cream, he's like, oh, blah, 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 whatever. And then I guess all the girls were all the uh, right, girls yeah. that were in the dream thing. So, yeah you, yeah, you do get to see all those people just like that. So, um, yeah, I don't I mean, have anything else to say. I was going to say, I'm, I'm tapped out. I'm tapped out yeah. of the pirate movie. Right. Gr- great choice. 10 out of 10. Must see <laughs> next movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this next movie is a movie that I, I, I know for a fact I had never seen. And I've actually avoided it, but um, not so much that I avoided it. I just never put any interest in this movie because I, I've heard other podcasts or I've just heard people talk about, oh, it's it's long or it's boring or it's so slow or it's confusing. I didn't understand what was going on. It didn't make sense. And uh, so I admittedly, when I saw it on your list, I was like, oh, really? I don't want to watch this movie. It's so long. <laughs> not, not ever seeing it. I'm like, it's so long because that's right. what I had heard. Right. Um, and so we we watched we watched uh, Blade Runner. We watched the, the uh, U.S. release, the, theatrical release of Blade Runner. Um, I don't get any of those comments. Out of, and this wasn't just like I've heard this by multiple people over the years, like. And I didn't get that. I got to tell you, I enjoyed this movie. I mean, it, it had some things to it, but I liked it. Like, And I was all set up to watch this thing at a playback speed of 2.0. <laughs> but I didn't because I was like, well, like I was I started at normal and but I was getting ready. I had my finger on the three dots to hit it and then and then go into the menu. And I never found myself doing it because I was like, I actually kind of like this movie. It's, I don't think it's bad. I mean, I, I'm sure you're going to, uh, you know, kind of briefly talk about the differences of the releases. And, and maybe that has something to do from what you told me of why people felt certain ways. Um, but I I didn't find it like hard to follow. Um, I didn't find it to be real slow. Um, let, well, let me just say one thing that you actually, you know, that you brought up to me with one, one of the complaints, I think both by people that watched the movie and by the actor, you know, Harrison Ford was the, uh, the voiceovers. Um, and you had said that people complain cause it, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like that, it kind of like spoon feeds you what's, what's going on or whatever. Mm. I loved the voiceovers because it just has that old, you know, detective, washed up detective kind of feel. You know, I love old time radio, so I listen to shows like this. You know, you you had said it perfectly. Like it's like a film noir. It it is. I so that just played it. 
you know, I didn't even think of it in that way. I just thought, okay, here's this washed up kind of guy that they need to bring back. And, you know, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this movie. If you, if you want to, I'm so glad, I'm glad that you did. Yeah. If you want to kind of, I mean, I know this is a, this part of it is a topic that could go on for probably 10 minutes in the differences, but if you want to talk, you know, a little bit of, the different releases that there were and maybe some of the, the reason and why people think certain things. Yeah. Well, um, Blade Runner is of course based on a uh, novella. Um, do androids dream of electric sheep by um, Philip K. Dick, which I've read and is very good and very, very, very different than the movie Blade Runner. Uh, so they took this novella and they turned it into what eventually became the movie Blade Runner. And um, basically uh, the the gist of it is is that they uh, showed it in theaters to test audiences and test audiences were like no way <laughs> this movie is long and boring and we don't understand what's going on so before that i believe that version is called uh the work print version um so before they they released it in the theaters they went and they trimmed out some parts they added the voiceover, which is what we're talking about. So it's Harrison Ford explaining things where he's like, well, now I was back on the case and I had to get, you know, <laughs> whatever. And he's, he's explaining things that are going on, which if you're into a movie, you don't need. And if you're following a movie and especially if you're into like a, you know, that kind of genre or something you don't need, but not everybody that goes to a movie is that person. Like people go to the movie and they take their wife or they take their buddy and that person's not into sci-fi or film, you know, that this sort of thing. And so they're like confused. So you gotta, you gotta sometimes water stuff down to make it appealing to the masses. Right. So that's what they did. So the people who really, really love Blade Runner really, really hate this version, which is the version I sent you. Um, but it's it's the most palatable version. It's the most easy to digest because you don't spend the movie trying to figure out what's going on. You know what I mean? Like like it's 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 a little bit more complete of a story. Um, but anyway, uh, if you buy, I bought the Blu-ray release of this, and there are five releases, and I believe there are. Um, Officially, there are, I believe, up to seven different releases, but every release of Blade Runner, they have changed different things. And um, yeah, we, we could get into the minutiae, but the biggest change is in the U.S. Uh, theatrical version. They added what's called the happy ending, which is where um, Deckard and, and um, someone he has met right off into the sunset, and they're like, we're going to live happily ever after. And the other versions don't have that ending. So um, one, one of the hard things to discuss Blade Runner with other people is you have to, first of all, you have to say, hey, we've seen the same version. And then you can <laughs> then you can argue or, right. or discuss ideas because if, if you've seen one version and people, someone else has seen another version, then you're going to have, um, you know, a, a different perception of maybe what's going on. Um, I, I'm going to tell you a quick story. When I was, uh, when this movie came out, I went to the movies and I remember seeing, um, I went to the movies with my buddy and his grandpa who he, uh, mostly, mostly stayed with during the week. Debo, 
And B-Ball <laughs> took me and, the, and this this uh, friend of mine, Andy, um, to the movies. And we were so excited to see 1982's Megaforce, which if you look it up, uh, was one of the lowest grossing movies of that year and possibly of all time. It is a really, really bad uh, movie. It's not a good movie. And so we had gone, but it was advertised. It was like a sci-fi. It was like, it's supposed to look like um, Flash Gordon. Okay. You know? Uh, So we go to the movies to go see Megaforce and we're sitting in the theater. The lights go dim. And I say, I got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) I'm nine years old. Come on, Robbie. Just got a 64 ounce drink. (laughs) <laughs> and a 128 ounce popcorn. And I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. And B-Ball says, well, <laughs> you know where it is. We passed it on the way in. So I leave and I go to the bathroom. And I come back in. And now I can't find them. I can't find where they're sitting. <laughs> and so even at a young age, I know. To sit down. Somebody will find you. So you, you know did what I you mean? walk like, up the aisle Beba? 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 Is that where my friend's grandpa is? <laughs> what's his last name? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> name's, ba? What's his real name? I, I think his last name is Ba. <laughs> his first name is B. <laughs> and so, um, so, we, so I sit down and I start watching Megaforce and I'm like, this is the greatest movie of all time. There's these robots that are replicants and they're coming in and then, Hey, is that the guy that's Indiana Jones and Han Solo? What is he doing in this movie? And he's going to have to kill these replicants. And Oh my, this guy just got his brains blown out. Like this is a pretty intense movie um, for a, a silly movie called Megaforce. And so what had happened was I'd gone into the wrong theater and I had gone into Blade Runner. <laughs> which was starting at the same time. So I saw the first 10 or 15 minutes of Blade Runner before all of a sudden I see a guy with a flashlight and an old man. And they're like, have you guys seen a kid, (laughs) like a lost kid? And I was like, oh, there you guys are. I was like, I'm just watching this awesome movie. And uh, they were like, this is a mega force, you dumb dumb. (laughs) This is Blade Runner. And so they took me out and took me back in. Uh, to the other movies. So um, uh, I used to tell people that um, Megaforce is a much better movie when the first 15 to 20 minutes of it is Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that was like my exposure to Blade Runner, but um, but I didn't see the whole thing until um, much later. Uh, I mean, I could say a million things about Blade Runner. Um, I will say this. It's probably in my top 10 films of all time. Um, oh, wow. It's it's up there. This and this the theatrical. No, right. I kind of well, like that. There's a director's cut. There's a final cut. You know, I kind of like the director's cut. See, here's the thing. Like, I I liked it, and then you know, we kind of talked a little more in depth off mic about the differences and and about a dream and everything. And I was like, well, I was already thinking like he's a replicant. Like, I was already thinking that without like you said talking about deckard yeah you're saying there's a a dream sequence that deckard has that only a replicant would would most likely have um Mm -hmm. and i was like 
you know, so I didn't see that part right in this in this release. But I was already thinking by the end, like he's a replicant because, you know, he seemed um, I felt as though he, he felt like some sort of I don't want to say remorse after he would kill him, but he, he definitely had this. You could tell it didn't feel right to him. But then, I, you know, I also was like, well, is this why he kind of was not doing Blade like a Blade Runner anymore? But, you know, I don't know. Um, the one thing I think is like, and obviously, you know, this is taking place in Los Angeles in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, this movie in 1982, they thought things would be different in 2019. Did they really think there'd be flying cars and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely not. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not even close to the way things are specifically um when he is looking at uh an image right he's looking at an image of i believe it was the snake girl and he's looking oh, yeah. and he's he's sitting back and he's going left 20 forward forward right back off and the computer's just doing it and i'm thinking <laughs> i can't even say hey siri where is the nearest Walmart without it being like, I don't understand the question. So I was like, all right, this is, I'm checked out here because my, my extent of my home automation are smart or smart outlets. Like, you know, that was just working so smooth. And I'm like, it's 2019 and it's 2023 and it still ain't there, buddy. And, and I also, I don't know how I felt about, not that I didn't like him in the role, but it, it, it did kind of seem weird. The role for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a step out of the other, like the, because I mean, in the last two movies, he was kind of super clean, you know. I mean, not super clean. And Han Solo, he's kind of the edgy, but he's a good guy. And Indiana Jones is a good guy. So, um, this is this is a little bit. Um, well, you know, I think uh, like he's so natural at like those two characters, Han Solo and and Indiana Jones. This just didn't feel as natural watching him or it's just myself because i'm so used to those characters but like i believe he's han solo i believe he's indiana jones like the way he just the swag this one it was just it was a little it felt a little forced with him as the like it might have been better with somebody else and i'm you know whatever if i get like hair or hate mail or something but (laughs) like rucker howard was great he's great but he's always that like creepy dude daryl hannah wow yeah daryl hannah that's a uh yeah a unique role for her i think that's her first role oh was it yeah yeah she, she was good um sean young who played rachel like i know i've seen her somewhere else um and i thought she'd have a bigger role like after her mm-hmm. first like introduction scene where he is basically when he talks to doctor and he's like, well, because there's two different types of replicants, right? There's the replicants. And then there's like the Nexus, uh, was it Nexus, uh, six, Nexus six that yep. are, are like more of the higher leveled, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, what they're trying, I think to get rid of. And, but I thought she'd have a bigger part, but she, it, she's kind of there that she's not, then she's there. And, um, mm-hmm. but, um, no, I mean, is a fun movie. I I did. I definitely liked it. Oh, she's in. What is it? Officer and a gentleman or something? Or, mm, yeah. Then you got um Brian James. I think it's his name Brian or is it Byron? Yeah, Brian James, who's Leon, uh, who's one of the replicants. Who that's like the first replicant that we that we meet, 
And um, when you see this guy, you're like, that guy's been in a million movies. He was in like uh, 48 Hours or uh, another 48 Hours. I mean, he's he's just like a classic character actor, you see. Um, and then I'd forgotten about this, um, but then, I mean, not not this time, but I remember there was a time where I'd forgotten about this um, because we, we get to meet Sebastian, and Sebastian is the guy who... Um, help develop the replicants. Mm -hmm. And it's weird to see that guy. I had to look his name up, William Sanderson. It's weird to see him in a normal role because when I see him, I can only think of one line. Daryl. <laughs> this is my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl <laughs> uh, from uh, Bob Newhart show. So, yeah, it's weird to see that. Um, and uh, James Hong, uh, who is the... Um, the Asian guy that keeps tracking down Blade Runner and trying to, um, uh, uh, you know, who I'm talking about in the movie, the other, the Asian guy, um, who like tries to arrest Blade Runner and do all that stuff. Um, no, a older, he's the, he's, um, Edward the guy James from Big Almost? Oh, oh he's the guy from I know you're Big talking Trouble about. in Little China. Yeah. Yeah. All and, right. Uh, and um, he was the grandpa this year in um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, but so, he, but he's been in a million movies as well, you know. Yeah, he was a Ninja Three: The Domination. Oh boy, <laughs> he's the guy that does the. Hey, that might be on our list later, coming up in a few months. Um, you know, this is what I'll say about Blade Runner, and I'll let it go. Um, Blade Runner is, is um, a, it's it's an amazing story. It's I mean it, it's a. It's a detective, you know, like we talked about, it's film noir. It's a detective story. Um, it's like a 30s detective story, yeah. but placed in this futuristic setting. Um, but it gets into these weird questions about what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be alive? Um, and, and uh, you know, there, there's a very famous scene at the end of the movie where there's the showdown between... Um, uh, Deckard and um, Batty, the, the 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 leader of the replicants that has escaped, you know, and, and it's this whole moment where, uh, and the way that I, I used to explain it to people is Deckard is literally doing the most inhumane po thing possible. Like he's tracking down things and killing them. Like that's like the most, like anti-life, right? He's retiring them. Yeah, I read they're retired. And Batty... <laughs> who is a replicant, all he wants is life. All he wants is to live, you know? And so, so you have these, um, I mean, literally diametrically opposed things. And then at the very end, you know, when, when Deckard's about to fall and Batty saves him and he experiences this thing where he's like, I've saved a life. You know what I mean? Like I did something yeah. that you're not doing. I saved someone. I kept someone alive and you're trying to retire me. And then he has his very, very famous speech, the tears and rain speech, and then realizes that he's just, no matter what he experiences, it's just not going to, not going to happen. Right. You know? And so, and uh, I told you off, you know, on Voxer, but this is one of them. I mean, that scene chokes me up every time. And you look at it and you go, boy, it's, it's, it's a robot. And <laughs> this thing, you know, but it, it, it gets me, you know, I mean, it, when you think about like, you know, how important life is and all that, you know, I mean, it's just really, it's, it's a deep movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, because they're so like us, there's that thirst for life that mm -hmm. the, you know, 
Yeah. I mean, we that's really, granted, I you guess, know, at times. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, I mean, that's the whole gist of it is that these replicants have escaped and they're trying to track down people because they have been programmed where they're going to self-destruct after a set amount of time. And all they want is for that to be turned off. That's, I mean, that's the whole gist of it. They're not going on a crime spree. They're not murderers. Or what, I mean, they just want the ability to live as long as a regular human being. That's, that's their whole motivation. So that, it's always a good story the- if you can... Go ahead. I'm just, I'm sorry. That that's the Nexus Six replicants, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like the the regular the yeah. regular replicants don't even know that they're replicants, right? That's why they question them certain ways, and then things start triggering, and they yeah. question. Isn't that what it kind of like what was going on? Or my well, it's, it's yeah. Well, it's whatever they do the test. It's like how their their bodies their physically react to questions, like their eyes dilate, or, or you know different things like that, and. And also, they've been programmed to come up with certain responses. So where a human being might have a different response, you know. But um, uh, I, I would say 100% watch this movie. Yeah. But I would also say you got to go into it with the right mind frame because I think audiences today, like if you go, hey, this is a, a, a blockbuster science fiction film, it's not going to be spaceship chases and rockets and high action and all that. I mean, it's definitely a a thinking person film. You know what I mean? It's a, like if I were like, Hey, this is a good detective. Um, like what's the, uh, like Chinatown. It's like that kind of movie. It's just happens to be set in a futuristic setting. If you go into it with that mindset, I think you'll enjoy it. If you go in expecting, you know, um, the last Jedi part 17, probably not. Yeah, and you know that one's going to suck, too. So <laughs> That'll be on our Mandalorian podcast, which yeah. is another spinoff we'll be doing. Yeah, and we got to speed up the pace here. I'm talking too effect. long on these movies. I That's love all right. these movies. That's so all right. Much, okay, so. well, we're going to move on to the next one, then, and we both recommend that. Um, so this is a movie that I've actually podcasted about before. I don't remember what I said, but on Horrified Chicken Podcast, we talked about Poltergeist a movie that I did not watch until I was an older fella because I was terrified to watch it. And there are two, here's the thing. And and just so I know horrified chicken is my wife's a horror fan. I am not, I don't really like horror movies, but I can tell you that two of my favorite, you know, one of my, or two of my favorite uh, movies from the eighties are horror movies, poltergeist and jaws. Two movies that terrified me as a kid that I just go, wow, I really like this movie. I mean, other than one, I mean, one scene that I really go, oh, that's really hokey. Uh, when they when they go to um, Carol Ann's room and like all the stuff is floating around and everything. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Because it could have, I feel like it could have been done a little bit better or, or just less. It was really kind of cartoony. You're talking about like, in the pool? No, when they went, uh, they went up to her room, and uh, oh yeah, okay. I thought you meant literally floating, like in the pool with the. No, uh, when Doctor Lesh goes yes. up to the room and like, like the record, yes. the records flying at it, yeah. it was just very cartoony. I, I was, was like, yeah, I don't like yeah. This right part. before they open the door, they're like, one time we watched a toy go six inches over six hours, and the guy's like, 
Oh yeah, and then he opens the door and it's just stuff. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Um I saw Poltergeist uh as a kid. And uh the kid in the movie uh, well there's there's three children that live in the house. Um and um I mean I'm sure everybody knows the story of Poltergeist, but uh, there are three children and the middle one is a boy named Robbie. And I went by Robbie and Robbie in the movie was nine years old and I was nine years old. I remember that uh, I had this giant tree that was right outside my window. And when the wind would blow, the branches would sometimes scrape on the glass of the uh-huh. window. And after this movie came out, I was like, you're cutting that down. Like you're trimming those branches. Cause I don't want that tree coming through that window to get me. I saw what happened in this movie. Um, I saw poltergeist. I mean, very, very early. Like, I don't remember seeing it in the movies, but I, I mean, maybe I did if I, if I saw it that early on, um, this is not really a movie for children. <laughs> I was terrified of this movie. And, and it's, uh, I mean, one of the things that's so haunting about this movie is that everything that's scary happens in their house, right? There's, there's the clown doll that's under the bed. Um, the uh the tree that you know the kid getting lost in the tv the um i mean it was it, it's it's terrifying this movie is terrifying uh but and and also wonderful <laughs> it's also a great movie yeah there's something about this uh it's weird because it's it's technically a horror movie right but it just has this like I, don't, I think it's the family dynamics that it's just a, this wholesomeness to it. Right. That I just, that it's weird to say like in a horror movie, but it makes me feel good. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, with, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the, the, you know, the horror parts, I mean, to me, but I'm an adult, so <laughs> it's not really that scary of a movie, but um, I, obviously as a kid, it was, I had known enough about, it. I mean, just that image Right, you grow up with the image of her with her hands on the uh, the snow of the TV, uh, which is funny because kids now—I mean, a lot of people, not even kids, just like young adults—wouldn't even know what that is. Like, there's like two generations behind us that probably have no idea why the TV would do that. Like, if you didn't tell them why it was doing that, they would think that it did that because of the poltergeist. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not yeah, because like- that was what happened at night. Imagine telling any of your children that TV used to go off at midnight and not come back on until six in the morning. Like literally there was no TV. You just had static on all your channels. I mean, I don't think that's a a concept that um, uh, Gen Z people could possibly comprehend. You know what I mean? It'd be like YouTube goes off at midnight. In- right. Instead yeah, of when can't... I wake up in the morning at five, internet. YouTube's still they just turn off the internet. Yeah. <laughs> for six hours, you know. Yeah. Um, this movie. Um, I didn't know this at the time. Uh, I mean, I knew this was. Uh, I mean, when I was young, I didn't know this. So as I got older and and read more about this movie, that there was a lot of controversy. That um. Uh. A lot of people claimed, you know, so this movie was written, partially written, 
by uh, Steven Spielberg is one of the writers, but it was directed by Toby Hooper. Now there was for years and years and years, this has been controversial. Now Toby Hooper um, directed a little movie called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, he directed a lot of movies. He also um, directed, oh God, what's the name of it? It'll come to me here in a second. Um, Funhouse, uh, which is, uh, I think is uh, maybe one that uh, I might have, I might have uh, recommended for a horrified chicken viewing. I think we did um, it, but I'm not sure. Yeah, but um, uh, so there were all these rumors that basically people were saying that there's no way Toby Hooper directed this movie, that this is a Steven Spielberg movie um, and all the publicity stuff had Steven Spielberg in it and stuff. So there, and then they said, well, maybe Steven Spielberg directed a little bit of it. So <laughs> I don't know. It was very controversial at the time. I don't know that it matters. Um, I would say uh, I did rewatch this recently. Not all the special effects hold up, um, which is okay. Uh, there's the one scene that I remember as a kid watching that I thought looked stupid then. And it's the guy who, uh, is looking in the mirror and he starts picking off the skin off his face. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it looked, it looked dumb then. Like as a kid, I thought that doesn't look real. Yeah. It looks stupid. Um, and then there's the other guy where the meat is crawling and he gets sick or whatever, you know? Um, and it's just the, the poltergeist is messing with their minds uh, that those are the paranormal investigators that come in. Um, so, um, what, what, you know, uh, one trivia fact, and this is a trivia, one of my favorite trivia facts. Um, and, and, uh, I, I used to bring this up a lot uh, back when I was doing my, my writing classes. Um, but when you're writing a book, you can write anything you want. You could say, you know, the alien's head explodes into a hundred million little heads and then they all turn into tiny aliens and they run. You can write whatever you want, right? But when you're writing a script for a movie, uh, you, you got to film it. <laughs> and, and before CGI, you had to come up with practical ways to film this stuff. So if you say a guy's face melts and falls off, you got to be able to do that, right? And so there were um, two words... At, towards the end of the script, and it says, house implodes. <laughs> and I, I've seen, I've read stuff about it, but basically those two words cost them like three months and hundreds of thousands of dollars because how do you make a house implode? Um, which at the end, the house does implode on itself. And... Basically, they they did a thing where they um, uh, built a model of a house and they put a hole and every piece of the house was attached with piano wire. So as they pull the piano wire down, the pieces of the house are going in towards this. But then I believe they also shot it with a shotgun and did some other stuff like all in this and it all had to be in one take. They're not going to rebuild this self-imploding house, you know. But I always love that, that... At, um, you know, I mean, if you're writing a novel and you say, then the house implodes, great. You can write whatever you want. But when you put that in a script, somebody's got to be able to actually do that. Right. You know? um, now, let me ask this. Have you seen uh, any of the sequels? 
And did you see the remake that was done a few uh, years ago? We did watch the remake. Um, I liked it, but I liked the original better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I know I've seen parts of the second one because that freaking creepy dude uh, coming God to the door. God is in his yeah. holy temple. <laughs> but, ag- but again, it's like this could be a one and done movie. Right, the ending is perfect. Where he, they go to the hotel and then they go in, and then the door opens. He, the he pushes the TV <laughs> out on the balcony, right in the rain. Yeah. And all, like, I don't care. Um, yep, no TV. I yeah, think it's a perfect ending. I think um, what makes this movie creepy is, I mean, obviously everything happens, but it happens in what's the safest place for you is your own home, right? right? That's why, as a kid, you know, you go to bed and. You're doing what Robbie did where he's looking under the bed and stuff like that because you're in your safe zone and nothing is more scary than when it's in your safe zone. It doesn't feel comfortable. You know what I mean? My my problem with this was like the kid was obviously um, not a fan of the the weather outside. Outside. Why, why did the parents, I mean, I don't know, maybe because they're getting high in the other room. They didn't think of it. Right, but like, why right. are they not shutting the kids' curtains? Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, shut the curtains. And that darn clown, man. Like, I knew a girl when I was in junior high who was terrified of clowns, and I never knew why. And I think, I was wondering, I'm like, I wonder if it was because she watched this movie. <laughs> I I think a lot of people's, you know, a lot of people say I'm afraid of clowns. I mean, a lot of it has to be um, traced back to this movie. And maybe, uh, maybe Gacy takes a little bit of the blame on that. Too. A little bit, a little, little bit, bit. If you're old enough, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, we gotta be fair. Can't blame right. it all on Poltergeist. Uh, it's, a, it's a tie. It's a tie. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ronald can be a little creepy at times too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think that, um, you know, the first movie was great. And then the second, you know, anytime there's some huge movie, they're like, Oh, we got to follow it up. You know, where do we go with this? And, uh, and then, yeah, you had the um, the Native American guy who was going to help him and, and the old man who was creepy and all that. And then the third one was like where they couldn't even get any of the people back, but just Heather O'Rourke, the, 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 the kid, you know. And um, it was such a stupid movie, but there was one scene in that that always was creepy was um, they were in a parking garage and there was a puddle. And uh, they walk up to the puddle, and these hands come out of the puddle <laughs> and grab, try, try to grab them and pull them in. And God, that's scary. Like, I would, I mean, I was older, and I would walk, and I would look at puddles, like, in a parking lot uh-huh. of it. <laughs> Walking around that. But, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, again, it, it, it's one that could have been a one-and-done movie. Uh, it was so good. And you're so right. You know, it's that setting. You know, if you're... Um, I mean, we're Star Wars guys. When you see Luke uh, in Empire Strikes Back trying to learn the Force and lift rocks, you go, okay, he's he's using the Force. He's learning how to lift rocks. And you go, okay, because it's an outer space movie that's a fantasy. But when you're watching Poltergeist and they're learning where the Poltergeist is operating in their house and they put Heather O'Rourke, um, Carol Ann, on the floor, and she slides across the kitchen or that scene where she's cleaning the kitchen, turns around and turns back and all the chairs, chairs are piled are, up. Yeah. It's creepy because it's in your house. It's where you live. It's where you sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I mean, we are like three minutes away from what we normally cut, right? Oh, so I'm gonna right. let I'm gonna let you do like a mad dash on the next movie, and because I I, I wasn't even bringing this up because of time restraints, but you kind of made a comment just now. You're going, you know, me and you being Star Wars guys, and it's like how how we can't even. I mean, we could have talked about every Star Wars toy in this movie. There's so much, oh, sure. so much Star Wars in this movie that yeah. I, I just have to say that, yes, we did recognize that because <laughs> I don't I mean, you of all people would probably get more hate mail for that one. Like, how could you not even say, <laughs> you know, like I had the Han Solo blaster that he has. And I mean, just so much. It was it was it was it was great. So but um, I, yes, I, I think it's safe to say that Poltergeist is a definite recommendation from both of us. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Um and watch this one before you watch the remake, please. I just love this movie, man. It's so good. No. The acting is great. The, the, I mean, um, uh, yeah. I, I haven't seen the remake. Oh, you never did? I, did, I didn't watch it. I just, I just, I didn't want to, I mean, I don't watch a lot of the remakes that come out because I just grew up with these movies and I just think, I already, I already know the story. I already love the story. Yeah. I don't need to see it again. Oh, you know? I mean, so. you know, that wasn't because I wanted to. <laughs> what yeah so all right chicken why don't, and horrified chicken yeah. did not want to watch the, the... why don't you uh introduce this one we'll wrap it up and then maybe you can give a couple honorable uh, honorable mentions and uh then we will end 1982 yeah man well we'll blow through this um but uh one of the ones that we both put on our list was tron um i mean i i tron is such a seminal movie uh if you are if you were a kid who grew up with computers and video games um you know i had that that game on the commodore a lot of people had this game little computer people and it was like it showed the little person in your computer and they were like, this isn't a game. That's the dude that lives in your computer that does all that stuff. And he lives in a house on your computer. And so, I mean, who as a kid didn't want to go inside the video games? There has to be a thing inside the video games where you can play. Oh, you were asking. I was raising my hand. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. You know, I mean, when you played, like, who didn't imagine, like, when you were playing Spy Hunter, imagine being in Spy Hunter, you know? So um, I would say I, I went back and watched Tron, and, and I've done podcasts about Tron. We've talked about Tron. So uh, everybody knows about Tron. Um, but the thing, when you go back and watch Tron as an adult, what's so surprising to me, I mean, it does start off very beginning of the movie starts off with them in tronville you know they're right. in the video game tron tronville uh, and, and then they're not for a long time they don't go back inside the computer until like the end of the first like 30 minutes into the movie and so when you're watching it like i watched this with my kids it was like hey watch this it's about people being in a computer and then they're like no it's about a guy and a business guy and and these people that are scientists, and I'm like, well, just wait, just hang in there. <laughs> There's going to be light cycles. Just hang in there, guys. And what I didn't remember is that the light cycle thing is like halfway through the movie. I mean, it just takes so long. And it's not uh, even, I mean, it's not that long of a scene. No, But that's no. the scene that everyone, that and, uh, you know, when they're throwing their, their discs and everything. Tron Deadly Disc. Uh, we played a game when I was a kid. Um, you know, we would get everybody in my neighborhood would come to my front yard 
and we would all bring frisbees and um and you had to throw your frisbee and then you had wherever it landed you had to that's where you had to throw it from so that was the incentive not to throw it as hard as you could because then you'd have to go to the front you know the street and throw it from there but we were playing tron deadly disc and that game ended when uh, my buddy got hit right in the lip and knocked his tooth loose oh um, that'll so do it. <laughs> kept playing that but um man i mean uh you know impressed. this this yeah, this was um, the introduction, really, of uh, CGI as a major way to do special effects. Um, you know, uh, infamously, they did not, they would not give Tron an Academy Award for special effects because they said, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but that CGI was cheating, that using a computer was cheating. Uh-huh. Uh, in special effects, which fast forward 40 years and find a movie that doesn't have CGI in it now, you know. Um, uh, here's what I'll say about Tron. I watched this movie as a kid. I probably watched this movie a hundred times. Uh, I loved this movie. I saw it uh, at the drive-in. This is one of the ones that I saw at the drive-in originally. Um, I got for Christmas... Uh, there were only they they released uh Tommy released a toy line and there weren't many toys there were four action figures and there were two light cycles that's what they released uh, a red light cycle and a yellow light cycle and then the four figures are kind of weird uh it's Tron Flynn Zark and then uh one of the guards like the uh, the evil guard guy so there's a yeah. lot of people missing in that lineup but uh, for whatever reason, uh, it didn't uh, it didn't catch on, but uh, I got the four action figures and one of the light cycles, and you can't really zoom in far enough. But there they are; <laughs> they're on the shelf behind me. I still have them uh, to this day. The Tron cycles had a cool rip cord that you could pull, and and you would send the send it zooming across like the, the house, like the old Evil Knievel. Yes, and um, I did eventually pick up the yellow uh light cycle so i do have the complete set um but tron i mean it was was so huge i mean from the there's computer references you know there's a guy named ram (laughs) there's the bit which if you know in programming a bit can only be one or zero and of course the bit in the movie could just say yes or no because it's it's a bit right so there's all these references that if you're into computers even as a kid you got these these references you know and um uh and it's got david warner as the bad guy and we've talked about david warner uh before um you know he's zark in the movie and uh god dang it it's a great movie but it's not a great movie but it is a great movie yeah (laughs) is that does that make sense yeah no it totally makes sense and here's the thing i never saw this when i was a kid I didn't oh, really? I did not I didn't go back to watch this until after I had seen Tron uh, Legacy. Really? My my son, my youngest, loved Tron Legacy, loved Daft Punk because of it. Um and so I was like, well, you know, I kinda wanna know more. I mean, it's not that it's that hard, but I wanted to see the original. And I'm not gonna lie, it it took me two viewings to actually sit and through the whole thing. I kind of like watched, started watching it. Yeah, so like as an older adult, I, like I started watching it, and I was like, "This ain't nothing like Tron Legacy, man." Like Tron Legacy's got some cool music going on, and you know, uh, yeah. So, but then I 
second time I tried to watch it, and then I kind of made it through, and I'm like, you know, I kind of like it. And it's like always on my phone. Like I have the Disney Plus app. That's one of the the movies like I've downloaded on my phone. Um, that if I you know if I got another do, I'll just throw it on at work or something. If I'm on break, but no, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, yeah. yeah, I knew I knew this. I mean, I wrote it down, and even when I wrote it on my list, I was like, I don't even know why I'm bothering. Rob's totally gonna bring this, but I think you oh, did no, a. Didn't you do a talking tech segment on the the retroist when he did Tron? I did, and I've done a you don't know flag, mm-hmm. uh, completely dedicated to Tron, and and talk uh, more than the movie, just talking about um, you know the whole. I was going to say the legacy, but that's the second movie. But, but um, uh, you know, everything about uh, Tron, the toys, the the music, um, the arcade game. You know, I mean, Tron was huge, but then all of a sudden it wasn't huge. You know, yeah. I think it was a little bit too technical for non not not technical in like, oh, it's too complicated. It's just normal people interest. don't want to see computer people. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, the interest know. wasn't there for the mainstream at the time. Yeah, the game uh, was in the arcade. Like I remember seeing the game, but I was like, "Ooh, I can't get near that. I can't play that." Where's Frogger? Uh, uh, now I'm gonna read you headline right off of Google right here. Uh oh. Jeff Bridges reunites with Disney for Tron event ahead of Tron three filming two days ago. Yeah, I was just gonna uh, ask you. I thought there was another movie coming out. Yeah, so there's um uh I mean, you know, I thought I thought the second Tron movie was okay. Um a lot of it is similar to the first movie, yeah. you know, and then um you know, it's it, a I lot, don't know. It's, it's a lot sexier. It's a lot. <laughs> It's I'm I'm getting um, grizzled in my old age, but it's hard when I watch things and I go, is that are those ships important to the plot or is that going to be because we need another toy? Knowing that Disney was behind it. And I mean, the first movie, which has to be a bigger movie, has four action figures. And the second movie has like a thousand action figures and toys and vehicles and all that stuff. And like, I didn't, I, I don't know. A ride at just, Disney. It, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Tron three. I'll, of course I'll, I'll go see it. I'll give it a shot, you know, but, um, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie as a, uh, a 10 year old, nine year old kid. I mean, there were times where, uh, you know, you'd have a hard day at school. I might not have been the most popular third grader in the world. And I'd go sit there in front of the monitor and I'd be like, please take me Tron. <laughs> Get me in there. I'll come. I'll join forces with you. We will fight master control program. Third grade sucks. Get me in there. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, we got to wrap up here in a few minutes. But why don't you, uh, if you got some honorable mentions that you want to talk about, rip oh, through them, my- and, and then we'll we'll wrap it up and uh, come back next <sighs> next month through nineteen eighty three. You know what? Um, honorable mentions. I've got. Um, I mean, the thing is uh, also probably in one of my top ten movies. Um, but I I knew that I couldn't talk about the thing in ten minutes, <laughs> so that, so I had to put that in an honorable mention. We have the Dark Crystal, um, which uh, we did an episode with. I believe uh, Doug McCoy. Yep. Um, was a co-host on that one. I think he was. Um. Yeah. Um. So Dark Crystal. We got Halloween three. 
which is um, the one that everybody used to hate. Now people like it a little bit more. Uh, the Season of the Witch is the first Halloween that doesn't have uh, Michael Myers in it. Of course, um, Zapped uh, is a, uh, a classic one. Scott that's Bayo. the Scott Bayo. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Uh, that's a HB only for me. And um, Grease 2, which uh, I used to watch on HBO. And I, Grease 2... Uh, is universally hated, except for by people like me who watched it over and over um, on HBO. And I mean, Grease 2 is no Grease, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's got its moments. Um, yeah, so lots of honorable mentions. And you know what, there's enough. We, we like to leave enough meat on the bone so that we can... Um, you know, come back. Maybe we'll do this next year. We'll revisit 1982. It was a great year. Uh, you know what? For me, uh, if you want to check out that Tron episode, you could go find all my episodes of You Don't Know Flack over on podcast.robohara.com or you could look up uh, uh, You Don't Know Flack on Apple, iTunes, or any of those other places if you want to see what I'm up to. Uh, you can always go over to robohara.com uh, and you might find links there to my stupid van project. I'm working on the van all the time. I've got the uh, van videos going up now on YouTube. It's uh, under the heading of Big Rob's Van. So uh, that is what's keeping me busy. What are you up to, Sean? And where can people find you at? You can go to alldutchpods.com, and there are links to all the shows that I do. It is supposed to aggregate all episodes, including this, but sometimes it's a little slow. But even if it's not up to date, the links on the right-hand side are uh, up to date as far as they'll take you to those specific podcasts that I am doing. And I will say yes, Please go check out Rob's uh, YouTube channel. I, I get previews of these videos prior, and uh, I'm always impressed with his uh, creativeness. So uh, go check those out. But that's it. That's it. That's all I have for 1982. I'm looking forward to 1983. Um, I think the movie that made me think to do this is uh, coming up that year, but... Uh, yeah, that's all I got, buddy. Yeah, oh, 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 wait, 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 don't cut me off because, you know, we forgot one of the best movies in 1982, Annie. This was the movie. This was my sister's favorite movie was Annie. We, oh, my God, we watched Annie so many times. She had this on videotape. We would watch it over and over um, You know, I am embarrassed to say that along with the pirate movie, I know every song uh, from Annie, the sun will come out tomorrow. You never fully dress without a smile. I mean, what a great movie that you got. Uh, Bernadette Peters. <laughs>